electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. This is the American Greed Podcast, presented by CNBC. I'm Stacy Keach. In this episode of American Greed, Rico Vendetti's lucrative online stolen goods operation is exposed when he hires the wrong delinquent to do his dirty work. Their scheme to steal an elderly man's valuable comic book collection turns deadly. He kept saying, my collection, my collection, it's gone. He was somebody who lost his life just for money. Day has yet to break on July 5th, 2010 in the upstate village of Medina, New York. An elderly man is going door to door, banging and begging for help. Medina police officer Todd Draper is working the overnight shift when his phone rings. You know, when your wife calls you and says that somebody's pounding at our door, our dog's barking, she's worried, she doesn't know what's going on. So she was able to look out the window and she was pretty sure it was Homer and she was pretty sure something was wrong. Draper rushes home to find his neighbor, 77-year-old Homer Marciniak, outside in his underwear, disoriented and dripping blood. You could immediately tell he'd been the victim of a crime. He had a cut on his lip that was pretty severe. He said somebody had been in his house. Officer Draper and police chief Jose Avila call for an ambulance. We questioned him as quickly as we possibly could, and that's when I learned that he had a comic book collection of some sort, and that had been taken. Throughout the morning, the officers document the crime scene. The New York State Police forensic team they came to assist me in collecting the DNA and the fingerprints and all the evidence that we could collect. Meanwhile, Homer Marciniak's face is stitched up. He's released from the hospital and returns home. Marciniak gives the officers a typewritten, detailed list of his inventory. I think his comic book collection meant the world to him. I think he realized that he was at an age where he you know, may not be able to live much longer and uh, he loved his sister and his nephews, and he wanted to leave them something. Marciniak can't give the officers any names or descriptions of his attackers, but he does provide one clue. He told me that he had been to Rochester on a couple of occasions to try to find out what his comic book collection was worth. While recounting the home invasion, the loss becomes too much to bear. I know that on several occasions, He kept saying, my collection, my collection, it's gone. I remember that from him. At one point, we were interviewing him, and you could just tell he was almost losing consciousness. So immediately called for an ambulance again. The ambulance came back to his house and took him back over to Medina Hospital. There, his heart gives out, perhaps breaking with the loss. His death leaves the officers mystified and grieving. He was a very good neighbor. You couldn't ask for a better neighbor. It was difficult trying to separate that, knowing Homer on a personal level and then having to investigate this crime. It was difficult. 
As his neighbor, Draper has seen the collection before, but in bits and pieces. He would occasionally bring over one or two. More the, I was in the service, so some of them he would bring were kind of army ones. I'm sure that's why he brought it over, you know, because it was something that we both had a connection to. American Greed asks comic book expert Gary Colabono to evaluate Marciniak's inventory list, and he tracks down a few examples of issues from the list. Homer was an old school collector. What I mean by that is he, this was his childhood collection. He didn't piece it together uh, over the years looking for specific issues. His collection had a lot of uh, war comics from the late 40s, early 50s. Some superhero comics from that same period of time, which are very scarce. The collection at the time of the robbery um, was probably worth um, 30 to 100,000. For months, Draper and Chief Avila follow the only leads they have, the city of Rochester and the list of comics. Everywhere I went, I'd carry the list because I could be driving down the road and I saw uh, a garage sale and I would stop, see if they had comic books. I just felt a sense of responsibility on my shoulders to find out who did this to Homer. The men also scour the region's comic book stores and pawn shops. A lot of what we did end up being on our own time to try to just get any type of lead. And we thought that if we locate one of these comic books, it'd lead us to who did this. Here in Rochester lives a man who has never met Homer and yet still knows why he died that night. He's a fellow comic book collector named Rico Vendetti, an entrepreneur who runs a block of small businesses on Rochester's north side. FBI Special Agent Eric Sakovich. At Clifford and Goodman, uh, Mr. Vendetti had a pizza place called Papa Vans, and he also had a bar, Al Green's Tavern, as well as he had a, a pawn shop, plus he had his apartment above the bar as well. From his apartment, Vendetti runs his illegal business, an online one, selling stolen merchandise from big box and grocery stores, largely on eBay. This individual has a group of people who he has working for them. It's a very large number of these boosters who would steal uh, anything from a TV to uh, dog and flea medicine. They bring them back to him, and then he would resell it. And in this case, he was reselling it at 50 cents on a dollar for retail value online. And he would pay his boosters 25 cents, so he was making a 25% profit off retail value. In 2010, through word of mouth, he learns of Homer Marciniak, an elderly retiree who lives an hour west of Rochester. Marciniak has spent his life collecting more than 300 comics. Most are from his childhood in the 1940s and 1950s. Vendetti is interested in knowing more. He sends a middleman to Medina to inquire, but the man comes back empty-handed. Marciniak doesn't want to sell. So a new plan begins taking shape in the mind of Rico Vendetti. If he can't send someone to buy them, he'll instead hire someone to steal them. So Vendetti approaches one of his boosters to case the place. The booster sees for himself how old and frail Marciniak is, and he refuses to do the job. A second booster says no, right off the bat. They had informed him we could kill him doing this, and it's not worth the risk. So they had the conscience to say, 
I'm not going to do this. But Mr. Vendetti did not take that advice or that warning and continued to search for somebody who would, who would do this act. And that's how Ms. Combs comes into the picture. 25-year-old Arlene Combs works for Vendetti at his pizzeria called Papa Vans and has been shoplifting for him for a few years. So Vendetti asked her if she's interested in making a little money, about 2,500 bucks. Over the course of the next few weeks, Ms. Combs starts recruiting these individuals who she knows who have done jobs. These individuals in particular don't know Mr. Vendetti firsthand. They botch their first attempt when they get lost in Medina, a town of 6,000 people and six stoplights. Vendetti then provides Combs with a GPS that has Marciniak's location pre-programmed and sits her down for an explanation. Arlene Combs convinces her group to try again in the overnight hours of July 5th, 2010. Driving her mother's van are two men and a teenage boy whom Combs hires. They will handle the actual break-in. Combs convinces another man and woman to come along for the ride. The female friend agrees to drive in exchange for clearing a debt she owes to Combs. When they arrive in Medina, the vehicles park a few blocks away. Then the thieves approach Homer Marciniak's home on foot. The three individuals going into the house were told that he would not be home, uh, which they were told this by Ms. Combs, who was, all, who was told this by Mr. Vendetti. And yet they still cut the phone line outside before entering through a side window. As the thieves tear through the elderly man's belongings, Marciniak wakes up, bewildered by the commotion. One of the men strikes Marciniak so hard his lip splits. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Lieutenant Todd Draper. After he was hit, he was actually tied up in his bedroom. And at some point, he told me that he moved and that they kicked him. So he did the best he could to just stay still. The robbers plunder the home for several more hours and make off with a coin collection, some belt buckles, a few guns, and Marciniak's safes, as well as the comic books, which Arlene Combs delivers to Rico Vendetti as morning breaks. But in the days that follow, the local news starts reporting about the violent robbery and subsequent death of Homer Marciniak in Medina. So Mendetti tells Combs he has no choice but to destroy the evidence. And since he can't keep the comics, he declines to pay her in full for the heist. As weeks turn to months, in Rochester, 
the heist members remain quiet and live with their guilt. And in Medina, the case grows cold. When we kept trying everything we could think of, every angle to try and develop new information or try to get a lead, you know, the results didn't happen. As much as we tried, we just couldn't catch a break. But on October 13, 2010, Rochester police arrest a 24-year-old woman for prostitution. Accused of selling her body, she decides it's time to sell out her friends. She tells Rochester PD that she knows who killed the old man in Medina. Retired police chief Jose Avila. About 1 o'clock in the morning, I received a call. Well, I was excited that this might be the break and jumped in a police car and went right to the Rochester Police Department. She told me the story, and I didn't tell her much, but she knew things about Medina and things about that night that I knew right off the bat that she had to have been involved. She drove the getaway car, according to her story. So I immediately put her in the back of my patrol car and drove her here to Medina. Questioning continues, and the young woman mentions Arlene Combs, who is swiftly arrested. Combs, in turn, explained how her boss, Rico Vendetti, put her up to the job and gives up the other members of the heist as well. You know, they say there's no honor among thieves, and, and that's clearly what happened. As soon as one person started talking, everybody started talking, you know, the pieces started coming together for us. The heist members, Vendetti and Combs, are indicted on burglary, theft, and assault charges out of Orleans County. Combs also reveals she's a shoplifter for Vendetti, a clue which leads to the astonishing discovery of a massive stolen goods trade. As the case swells in scope and begins spilling across state lines, the Medina and New York State Police reach out to the FBI for backup. Special Agent Eric Sikovich. We knew these type of operations existed, but Mr. Vendetti himself came up on the radar because of the death of Mr. Marciniak. Without Mr. Marciniak, we would not have known about Mr. Vendetti doing what he was doing. In October 2010, federal agents search Vendetti's businesses and apartment. As you walk up the steps, he has a room that is full of items to be sold. This is a full-blown operation to sell this stuff. They confiscate boxes upon boxes of stolen goods and thousands of comic books. Investigators believe they have enough evidence to prove that Rico Vendetti has been directing a shoplifting ring. The FBI says from at least 2004 through early 2011, Vendetti directs his boosters to steal nearly $700,000 worth of merchandise. He knew what the customers on eBay wanted, and one of the big sellers was Crest White Strips, and he could make a very quick buck off these items. In November 2010 in Buffalo, New York, Rico Vendetti stands accused in federal court of running a Racketeer-Influenced Corrupt Organization, or RICO for short. Vendetti faces numerous charges. The RICO counts against him include racketeering and felony murder for the death of Homer Marciniak. Vendetti's defense attorney, Matt Lemke. The federal racketeering laws were, were designed to be able to prosecute organized crime families but this is not an organization that had a structure 
where there is a head of the family and he has lieutenants and captains and enforcers and everyone has roles. Yet rather than face trial and potential life in prison, Rico Vendetti decides to cut a deal. In December 2014, he pleads guilty to one count of racketeering. Before sentencing, he sends a letter to the judge in which he writes, I was an utter fool for letting nefarious people lead me down this besmirched path. Mr. Vendetti led other people down this path. Mr. Vendetti was at the head of this. There was nobody above Mr. Vendetti. Everything that happened for everybody below him is a result of what his leadership was. They spoke for who he was and what he was about. Vendetti is sentenced to 20 years in federal prison. Arlene Combs also pleads guilty to racketeering and gets 20 years. Over the course of six years, 10 people are convicted for crimes connected with Vendetti's enterprise. Even though these people did a lot of other crimes with a lot of other victims, most of those victims were property victims. A lot of them were stores or retailers. Homer was a true victim. He was somebody who lost his life because of these individuals' actions and just for money. Although the FBI seizes 21,000 comics from Bendetti, none of them match the treasures on Marciniak's list. Comic books expert, Gary Colabono. Chances are they probably were dumped uh, in, in the garbage um, as the cops started to close in. I don't know that, but I can pretty much believe that's what happened to Homer's comics, because otherwise they'd have turned up by now. Has he really trashed them? Or could they still be out there somewhere? In an email exchange with American Greed, Rico Vendetti does not answer that question, but he does write. The sorrow I feel for Mr. Marciniak and his family cuts me like a jagged knife. That knife has left an open wound that will not heal upon me. What those three individuals did when they entered Mr. Marciniak's house was terribly wrong. I had never spoken to or known them or Mr. Marciniak, but I certainly want to express my deepest sympathy. Vendetti goes on to write, I will never attempt to say that I didn't violate the law, but I want the public to know that I never solicited anyone to rob this elderly man in the middle of the night. I cannot change what has happened. The only thing I can do is control my future, and my future will be selfless. Back in Medina, for some, the dismissal of the murder charge against him is not enough to absolve Rico Vendetti. These underlining people, they didn't know Homer. They didn't target him. They would have never known anything about him as comic books if it wasn't for Rico. And, um, you know, he definitely set this up, and he definitely has blood on his hands. They woke this poor gentleman in the middle of the night and stole his priceless collection. I think it caused his death. I really do. And they figured that um, this crime would go unsolved. The officers of the Medina Police Department and myself were not gonna let that happen. We, we were gonna do all that we could to solve this crime. Homer was a good man, and he didn't deserve to die that way. Thanks for listening to the American Read Podcast, presented by CNBC. 
I'm Stacy Keach. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.